This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. So we're going to talk about if anyone will come after me there in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. You know, here a few years ago, there was a, a commercial that was on TV. There was these kids, and they were out, they were selling lemonade right outside their house. And this lady comes up, and she asks for some lemonade. And about that time, their mom comes outside, and she takes both of those pitchers of, of lemonade, and she pours it into this big blue plastic cup, and she hands it to the lady. <clears throat> And she says, come on, kids, let's go. Let's pack it up. Let's go. And then in big letters, it says, make room for Sunday. And I thought, whoa, this lady's going to church. She's got her kids, packing them up, heading to church. I was wrong. I didn't really think about what was going on. I was disappointed because it was a commercial for, from DirecTV uh, for NFL Sunday ticket. It wasn't, yeah, we're going to church. It was... For NFL Sunday ticket. You know, if I'd have thought about it for a second, what were kids doing up that early in the morning trying to sell lemonade? That's not going to happen because they're going to wake up that early. We got to be here, what, at 1030? We're going to have kids getting up at 8 o'clock? Well, let's say 7 o'clock in the morning to go make lemonade, then go set up. And No, that's not going to happen. I didn't really think about it that much. If I had paid a little bit more attention, I would have noticed that there was a Raiders logo on those pictures. Um, so I was a little let down, you know, but what was I supposed to expect? You know, would I expect anything different from this world? No. And I should have known that, especially coming from the TV. (laughs) But you know, there are times where we take the room that we have for God and we fill it with earthly pleasures. And why do we do that? I guess a simple answer is, well, we're human. We've got human desires. And we desire to do worldly things at times. And it's not necessarily a problem that we have those, those worldly desires. The problem lies in how, how and if we pursue those things. So what can happen if we decide to pursue worldly things? Well, we start to follow our own desires, then we start to skip church services so we can pursue whatever desire that is. Then we get wrapped up in worldly things. Before you know it, we quit attending church altogether. We quit studying God's word, and we lose our way. And you might be sitting there thinking right now, that's never going to happen. That's not going to happen to me. I'd never do that. Well, guess what? There are brothers and sisters in Christ that thought that exact same thing, and they're not attending services anymore because they let worldly things creep in and take over their, their life. But why do you think those things happen? Is it because they didn't love God to begin with? I don't, I don't think that's true. At least not for the majority. I think it's because Satan is alive and well, and he doesn't want you to have a relationship with God. He doesn't want you to have anything to do with God. And another reason is because we, we don't... Oh, I'm going to back up a minute. I forgot a verse there. Uh, Satan is alive and well, and 
doesn't want you to have a relationship with God, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Satan's out there. He wants to devour your life. He wants to take it over. He doesn't want you to attend, attend church. And again, another reason that is, is because we don't deny ourselves all the time. We don't take up our cross, and we don't continuously follow him. And those are things that, we're suppo- that we need to do. We need to continuously follow Christ. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. I'm going to put all these up there so I can have the Spanish up there. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And he said, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Mark chapter 8, verse 34, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus lays it out, <clears throat> lays out the principle of discipleship right here. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now before we get to that, we need to understand something. We need to understand that we don't come to God on our terms. We come to God on his terms. Because he doesn't do bargain deals. It's, it's not a garage sale. We're not garage selling. He doesn't agree on a middle price. I mean, if you know me, you know I love garage sales. <laughs> I like to haggle people down. You want 20 for that? Eh, how about 12? You know, how about 10? We settle for 15. I like to do those kinds of things. That's not what God wants, though. He doesn't want us to try to bargain with him. That's not what he's about. He wants our all. He doesn't want part of it. He doesn't want to settle on middle ground. You can't say, okay, God, I'm going to come to church on Sunday morning. I'm going to give you my hour, maybe hour and a half if I stay and visit for a little bit. And then I might show up on Wednesday evening a couple times a month. But the rest of that time is my time. Does that sound like a bargain? Just, just think about that even as a parent. Does that sound like a bargain to you? If your kids said, okay, I'm going to spend this much time with you and then the rest of it's my time. I don't want to, you're basically saying, I don't want to be with you. Isn't that kind of what that sounds like? I want to be with myself and I don't want to be with you. How are we going to get to know God and get to live like Christ if we have that kind of attitude, if we try to do that kind of bargaining? It's not going to work with God. It's just not. You're either in or you're not. His words, come after me, aren't, are meant for everyone in any walk of life. Come after me. Make that initial decision to surrender your life to me for salvation. If you're going to follow after Christ, you should make the decision to follow him in baptism and receive eternal salvation. If you're going to follow him, that's what you need to do. Now, to a Christian, come after me or to pursue Christ should be a daily obedience to Christ. You followed him in baptism But now you should want and desire a relationship with him. You should desire his word and read it daily, pray daily. You know, we're all under constant temptation day in and day out. 
And that can make it hard not to place our own will above God's will. We need to remember to seek him and follow his will and not our own. If anyone will come after me, if you want to follow me, it's what Christ says, if you want to follow me, here's what I require of you. And number one, deny yourself. We've got to lay something down. We're called to lay something down, to deny himself. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Now, what does that mean, deny himself or yourself? Let's tell you what he's not talking about. He's not talking about denying ourselves of a donut. I mean, I like donuts. It doesn't look like it, but I do like donuts, especially maple donuts. If anybody wants to bring me a maple donut sometime, I'm okay with that. He's also not talking about necessities. And he's not talking about luxuries like having a nice vehicle or having a nice house. It's not wrong to have those things as long as you're, you're not... You know, that's my big thing. I love it. I love it. If you love it more than you love God, then yeah, you have a problem. But he's talking about denying self. Denying self means that we renounce our right to ourselves, the right to rule our own lives. And the phrase deny himself literally means to completely disown, to utterly separate oneself from someone. And it's the same word used to describe Peter's denial of Jesus outside the high priest's home in Matthew chapter 26, verse 34. Each time, <clears throat> each time he was confronted about his connection with Jesus, Peter more fervently denied him, denied knowing him. But denying self is really dying to self. And that's what we have to do. In Romans chapter 6, verse 6 through 7. And then 11 through 12. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve him. For he that is dead is freed from sin. And then 11 through 12. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. If you're a Christian, the old man is dead. He's dead and gone. That was the old you. You don't, you don't turn back to it. You're now alive, and, alive to God through Christ's shed blood. Don't go back to your sinful ways. We can't turn back to those sinful ways. We got to stay on that straight and narrow. And we make no provision for the flesh. Romans Chapter 13, verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And just as I said earlier, we can't come to God on our own, our own terms. It doesn't work that way. We can't make excuses for our sins. A sin is a sin, is a sin, is a sin. It's always going to be a sin. It's not going to change. And we have to deny ourselves of sin. To deny oneself means that we have to follow the example set forth by Jesus Christ himself in coming into this world. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant 
and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus denied himself of worldly things. There are other things that he could have done, but he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have lived that perfect life. He denied himself of worldly things for us. He didn't walk around with the attitude of, I'm God's son, you need to bow down to me. You should know who I am. Instead, he took the form of a servant. He was humble, and he willingly died on the cross for our sins. He denied self, and he denied this world for us. We need to live our lives alive to God, but dead to sin and to the world. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who, who loved me and gave himself for me. Live life for the Lord, live by faith, and let the things go that bring you down. We need to do that. You know, sometimes something's bothering us and we can't, can't get out of our heads. We need to pray to God. We need to give it to him and we need to let it go so that we can get over it and move on to do things for him, to be a better person. We can't let it bother us and bring us down. So what does all this mean in a practical sense? I found a, a quote online by a man named Craig uh, Giannini. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He says this, pay attention, try to pay attention close to this. I think this is something that we could read every day that would help us understand how we deny ourselves and what it means to deny ourselves. If when you are good, evil is spoken, and, we, and when your wishes are crossed, and your advice is disregarded, and your opinions are ridiculed, and you refuse to let anger rise in your heart, and even defend yourself, but you take it patiently in loving silence, then you are dying to self. And when you lovingly and patiently bear any disgrace, any irregularity, any annoyance, when you stand face to face with extravagance and folly and spiritual intensity and endure it as Jesus did, that is dying to self. And when you are content with any food, any money, any clothing, any society, any solitude, or interruption by the will of God that is, dying to, that is dying to self, and when you never care to refer to yourself in conversation or record your own good works or itch after commendation from others, and when you truly love to be unknown, that is dying to self. When you see your brother prosper, see his needs wondrously met, and can honestly rejoice with him, with his big house, nice vehicle, his big pool, whatever it may be, without feeling envy, and never question God, though your needs are greater and still unmet, that is dying to self. Now when you can receive correction or reproof from someone of less stature and admit that he is right and find no resentment or rebellion in your heart, that is dying to self. Sounds kind of hard, doesn't it? How often do we see something? This is probably the easiest example that he says here is, is you see something that maybe a friend has or someone that you work with has and it's greater than what you have and, and you need that. It's not a want for you, it's a need and you don't have it, but they do. Do you ever sit there and think, yeah, you know what, that's good for them. 
and not have any type of resentment in your heart? How hard is that? It's not easy, is it? It's not something that we, that, that's easily done. But that's the type of denial that we have to have for self to follow Jesus. That's what he wants. Self doesn't like to be denied. But until it is, we can't possibly follow after Jesus the way that he wants us to. And secondly, we're called to lift something up. Take up the cross. If anyone desires to come after me, let him take up his cross. <clears throat> well, let me start by saying what the cross isn't. I know we've heard the phrase, that's my cross. You've heard someone say, referring to a burden as that's my cross. Maybe it's a, a best friend, a spouse, or a child that's, that's lost. Someone in your family that, you're clo- I say a close member in your family. Like I said, a, a child or a spouse. Maybe it's a really good friend and they haven't come to Jesus. They haven't been baptized. And you say, well, yeah, that's my burden. That's my cross. Or maybe it's some type of difficulty in your life. You've heard people say, that, that's my cross. I carry it every day because it's a burden. Some type of health situation or, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a health you know, illness or whatever it may be, a bad situation that you face in life. That's not the type of thing that Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about a burden. These things, these burdens, like I said, it's not what he's talking about. It's not what he means or what he meant when he said to take up your cross. The cross was meant for Jesus to carry and suffer on for us. Make sure I got these right. But take up the cross. The cross is not just a place of suffering. It's a place of death. That's where Jesus died. How could we possibly take up or think that a burden in our life is anything comparable to what Jesus went through? So that's not what he means by take up the cross. And there's a, uh, I've got a quote here from the MacArthur New Testament commentary on Matthew chapter 16 through 23. He says this, The cross was a very concrete and vivid reality. It was the instrument of execution reserved for Rome's worst enemies. It was a symbol of the torture and death that awaited those who dared raise a hand against Roman authority. Not many years before Jesus and the disciples came to Caesarea Philippi, 100 men had been crucified in the area. A century earlier, Alexander Janius had crucified 800 Jewish rebels at Jerusalem, and after the revolt that followed the death of Herod, Herod the Great, 2,000 Jews were crucified by the Roman proconsul Varus. Crucifixions on a small scale were a common sight, and it, was, it has been estimated that perhaps some 30,000 occurred under Roman authority during the lifetime of Christ. So when Jesus says that we're to take up our cross, he's saying that we are to live as dead men, Dead to self, just as we talked about earlier, as we read in Romans chapter 6, verse 6 through 7. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. We have to take up that cross and follow after Jesus and be dead to sin. Leave it behind us. He doesn't want us to 
back out and turn around. He most certainly doesn't want us to drop our cross and just quit. So once we make that decision to take up our cross and follow him, we die to self and we live for Christ because we are risen with him in baptism, giving all for his glory, holding nothing back, no turning back. Just a steady humble walk that follows his footsteps and his path through this world. Jesus said it as simply as he could right here in John chapter 12, verse 26. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Where I am, there my servant will be. John chapter 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Chapter 17, verse 24. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Jesus is referring to heaven here. He wants his believers, he wants Christians, those that are following him, to be with him in heaven. That's what he wants for us. And that's what he's telling his father right here is, let them be with me in heaven. If they're following me, they're believers of of me, let them follow and be here with me in heaven. And the third thing, follow me. We're called to live something out. That's follow Christ. If anyone desires to come after me, let him follow me. Jesus literally means let him follow me day by day. Not just when it's convenient. Not just when we're at church or around other Christians. We have to follow him and his commandments all day, every day, 24-7, when we're around people we know, when we're around people we don't know. Even when we're alone with no one there to see us and no one knows what's going on, we still have to follow Jesus. To be a disciple of Christ, we have to continually follow him. It's a way of life. And it should be the pattern for how we live our life. So if a disciple is a follower, then we as Christians are disciples of Christ. That means we have to be willing to be led to follow Christ. We have to be willing to be led in the hard times when we don't understand why we're going through these things. But you know, a lot of times it's just the opposite, isn't it? We let Christ lead us through the difficult times. But when it gets to the great times, when everything's going right, we just bebop along and we kind of put them to the side because we're not having a difficult time. So we think we don't need him. And I don't know that maybe we necessarily think that, but I think we kind of are wired of things are wrong. What do I do? I need to pray. And that's what we do. But when things are going great, we don't automatically go to that and think, oh, I need to pray to God. I need to give him thanks. But we need to follow him during those times. We need to continue in those times to pray to him. We need to continue those times to study his word. When it's good and when it's bad, we still have to let Christ guide us in the easy times because it's easy to follow our own desires when everything's going well in our life. Psalms chapter 23, verse 1 through 6. 
tells us the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I, will, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If we follow the Lord in the manner he wants, we've got nothing to fear. We have to totally trust in him. Just kind of a, a recap of stuff that we've, we've gone over. If anyone will come after me, deny yourself, lay something down. You have to die to self and lay your life down for Christ. Take up the cross, lift something up. We have to lift up our cross. If you, or you have to take up your cross and not set it down. You're dead to the old man and alive in Christ. Follow me, live something out. You have to be willing to be led. Let go and let God. We need to trust in him so that we can follow where he leads and live out a life for Christ. The Christian walk isn't easy, but the end reward is better than anything that we could ever imagine. Anything that you could think of here on earth, anywhere that you've ever been that you thought was absolutely beautiful and perfect and you'd love to live there for the rest of your life, heaven is so much more better than that, you can't even imagine. Not even a little bit. So it's important that we follow Christ. It's important that we do his word and his will. It's important that we follow him in baptism so that we can make it to heaven. And as we get close to the end here, during the early years after Christ's resurrection and and ascension, following Jesus was essentially a suicide mission. It's not like today we come to church and we don't necessarily have to worry about somebody coming here and trying to rip us out or, or threaten to kill us or kill us. Back then, Christians had to be willing to die in order to follow Jesus. Jesus wasn't just part of their lives a once a week routine. He was their life. They didn't care about possessions, careers, or, or petty things. They only cared about following Christ. And Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, we may never, and we've said this I don't know, everybody's got up here and preached, probably said it at least once. We may never have to face the level of persecution the early Christians did. Yet Jesus' call still stands. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's what he wants all of us to do. He wants all of us to follow him in baptism. He wants all of his believers to be with him in heaven one day. What would it look like if we actually had this level of commitment? If we actually had the level of commitment to deny ourselves, to die to self, and just live for Christ? What would that look like? What if instead of working to achieve our own comfort, we embraced a higher purpose? What if the desire to follow Christ and tell others about his goodness was so powerful we'd be willing to face any level of persecution. What would that look like? 
you know, Garland gave a lesson years ago, and he gave an example of someone coming in here and telling him basically to deny Christ. He's got a gun to one of his grandson's head. But let's say, let's just say Travis. He's got a gun to Travis's head and says, deny Christ or I'm going to shoot him. What if somebody came in here and grabbed your kid and did that? What's that going to look like? Are you going to deny Christ? Are you going to deny self? That's a gut wrencher, isn't it? To have to think that somebody come in here and put a put a gun to Leah's head and said, you deny Christ, or I'm going to shoot her in the head. Oh, that's, that's tough, isn't it? So my question for you today, are you going to deny self? Are you going to follow Christ? Are you going to stay in this world? And if you're not saved today, if you haven't given your life to the Lord and been baptized, are you going to deny self? Are you going to stay in this world? And if we were to die tonight, all of us, Jesus came back and died tonight, where are you going to be? Are you going to be in heaven? Are you going to be in hell? Because if you're not saved, if you haven't followed him in baptism, the Bible tells us plain and simple, if we don't do those things, we're not going to heaven. So I ask you to deny self. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.